0: Today's New Testament lesson comes from Acts, Acts, uh, first chapter in Acts, for Acts one through eleven. We're today is considered the Ascension Sunday. Um, The Ascension day is the fortieth day after Easter. That was May thirteenth. So we've considered now the Ascension Sunday. This is the Sunday that marks the time right before Pentecost. That gets us prepared for Pentecost when Jesus goes up into heaven. What you'll notice about our text this morning is the very beginning of Acts. And in the first line it says, in the first book, Theopolis. Theopolis is also written in Luke. The book of Luke is written to a guy named Theopolis, a student named Theopolis. So Acts continues that story to Theopolis. So Acts is a continuation of the Gospel of Luke. It's almost a sequel, part two, to the Gospel of Luke. Theopolis means lover of God. The lover of God. In this book, lover of God, I write. It also means beloved of God. Luke is writing to us, those who love God. Not only those who love God, but those who are loved by God. Those who do not even know or heard who God is. Before we read this morning, I invite you to join me in prayer. Let us pray. Oh God, as we come to your word this morning, we give you thanks. Thanks for your, for your word, for this written word that comes to us now, for the word that comes to us with the Holy Spirit, for the word that was proclaimed to us by Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. And as we come to your word, open up our hearts and our minds that we can read this text as lovers of you. And receive this text, knowing that we are loved by you in Christ. let me pray. Amen. Again, the gospel I mean excuse me, the New Testament reading is from Acts chapter one, verse 11 through I mean one through eleven. In this first, first book, Theopolis, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This he said, it's what you have heard from me, from John, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know, but the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and there were gazing up toward heaven. Suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. I recall one time hearing about an eventful ascension day Worship service at a seminary one year. The folks were gathered from traditions that took Ascension Sunday very, very seriously. So they all came dressed up in their robes and with complete smells and, and the bells and, and to commemorate this, this mystery of Christ ascending on this 40th day after Easter. One year, with this whole seminary in robes, gathered in the seminary chapel, the celebration ended with clouds of incense and a booming song from the choir of ascension leading everyone out into the courtyard. What the works was didn't realize there was a student who had kidnapped one of these slightly tacky life-size Christmas crochet figures and attached a whole bunch of fireworks the type of fireworks you buy from South Carolina and not North Carolina. And all inside of this hollow plastic flame. So as this distinguished clergy, Old Testament professors, New Testament professors, people, seminarians who were going out to proclaim the word of God as they came out into their robes, into this courtyard, this young man lit a fuse, sent the plastic shepherd, now a rocket, out of the bushes into space through a cloud of smoke and flames. I imagine it sort of looked like that scene on Christmas Vacation, which, by the way, this is the third time I've mentioned Christmas Vacation in six months. I don't know what to make of that. I, y'all go figure. But that scene in Christmas Vacation when, when uh, the Santa Claus and the reindeer go flying in, out into uh, space full of glory and gunpowder, if only the student had played John Elton in the background, Rocket Man, they would have been perfect. This stoic plastic Bigger, so really removed from this post out of manger, shot through the uh, air and into orbit, it was perfect if it only would have just crashed right into the dorm, right next to the bushes. And clearly, the seminary professor didn't talk to the engineering department when setting this thing up. But as it lay there on the roof of this dormitory, cuddled in the arms of the metal gutter, the Ascension rocket just sort of sputtered, and died. The ceremony ended. Needless to say, the the dean of students did not find the stunt very amusing at all. Rumor says that there were such as sacrilegious and disgrace. And If if you were not about to graduate, I tell you what, were murdered from his office that day. The student's only defense was the Bible. He opens the book up to Acts 1, and he says, Here, here, Acts 1, sir. I'm simply trying to dramatize my belief in the reality of the ascension of Christ. Next week is Youth Sunday, and I'm not trying to give the youth any ideas because it's also uh, Pentecost Sunday as the Holy Spirit comes down on us like a fire. uh, Be careful what we say here. But, But at the same time, theologically speaking, the grad student, who sent Jesus flying in the air, was nearly on target. We confess every week, almost every week, this theology when we say the Apostles' Creed. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven. The image of Jesus ascending into heaven to make a place for you and for me, where there are no gas shortages, where where countries aren't bombing each other due to some thousand-year-old dispute over land, where there is no cancer or addictions, or loss of children, or COVID, where there is no loneliness or depression or anxiety, Where grief and misery are banished. And light and joy abide forever and ever. The stresses of this world is not surprised. That some 2,000 years ago after Jesus' ascension. That we as modern day Christians. Are accused of only looking up. Dreaming of a place in a day. Where we can be part of this all-inclusive resort that one cannot even imagine, and like the grad student sending Jesus into space, we can almost, almost get that image of ascension. If it were not for Barbara Lumball calls the biggest little word. In this passage. But notice the transition from verses 7 to 8. But you receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come. This but in the passage gives us the second half of the claim that he ascended into heaven and the Apostles' Creed. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Or as John Calvin has said, the ascension is not a story about a place, but a function. And that function is the lordship of Jesus Christ. The truth revealed by the ascension is that, yes, Jesus is Lord. The church's original confession, that is the church's original confession, that Caesar's not Lord, or Rome, or our president, or you, or me. Jesus is the Lord of all. We do not say, Jesus was Lord, but now he's gone in heaven, and someday I'll be with him in the great by and by. Nor do we say, when Jesus comes back, he will Lord over the earth again. What we confess is that Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth, now and forever. Years ago, the Ascension Sunday was actually the fourth largest holiday in the Christian calendar, right behind Easter, then Christmas, then Pentecost, then Ascension. During this time, there's a lot of paintings made to celebrate this This celebration this this holy holiday <clears throat> most of them you could see jesus being lifted up into the air with the disciples faces hanging there open in amazement but a lot of them you couldn't even see who jesus was you just saw Jesus' feet sort of dangling from the clouds and if you look closely at these paintings what you also notice are footprints footprints on the earth some in the sand some painted with indentions on the rocks. Others are etched out in black and white footprints on the ground. All of them are leading the disciples away. Right at the feet of the disciples, as the disciples gaze up at heaven, the footprints take them to a new journey. and Perhaps the artist or adding something that's not in Scripture. Or maybe, maybe, just maybe, they are sketching out the biggest little word that Jesus tells his disciples. After they watched all the drama of his crucifixion, After God rose Jesus from the dead, after Jesus goes to his disciples over and over again, after Jesus talks about this wonderful place called the kingdom of God, when, Jesus, when when can we get there? When will the kingdom of God come? Is it now? They ask. Don't worry about the time. But, I will tell you this, the Holy Spirit is coming. And ever since that conjunction, the church has never been the same. For no one standing around watching them that day could have guessed what an astonishing thing happened. When they all stopped looking up and started looking at each other instead. But in the days and the years to come, it would become very apparent what would happen. With nothing but a promise and a prayer, those 11 disciples consented on becoming the church. And that changed everything. The followers became leaders, the listeners became preachers, the converts became missionaries, the healed became healers, the disciples became apostles, witnesses to the risen Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit, and nothing and nothing has ever been the same again. When they stopped looking up at heaven and looked at each other instead and got on with the business of being the church, the Bible teaches us what Jesus tells us over and over again. It's that God is transforming the world. And if we want to be part of this transformation, if we want to be a church that actually matters to this world, if we ourselves want to be seen as a Christian, the kind that God and Jesus describe. That means we have to do more than look up. What that means is we have to get busy living in this world. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the theologian of the 20th century, who was spent time in a prison at navy camp and later died there. Writing from his prison cell, he wrote to a friend saying. Christianity doesn't shield us from life, but actually it plunges us into all the dimensions of life. During the last year or so, I have come to appreciate the worldliness of Christianity. I thought I, thought I could acquire faith by trying to live a holy life. Later I discovered that is it is only by living completely in this world. That one is transformed. And that transformation is not left up to our imagination. That's the good news. But it's given to us instead by the Holy Spirit, taking on the shape of Jesus' life. That life that has also erased our imagination of what God could be. When God took on the life of Jesus, humbly born in a manger, foreshadowing his ministry by stepping up to a pulpit. And preaching this first sermon with the good news to the poor, the release to the captives, the discovery of the sight of the blind, and the freedom of those who are oppressed. Where Jesus then took us on the path, the road to Jerusalem, leaving footprints of healing and forgiveness and new life. Eventually taking us to a cross where Jesus completely emptied himself out leaving the biggest footprint of them all, the cross. Reminding us of God's love for you and for me. And telling us that nothing, not even death, can separate us from such a love. And that love comes to us now through the Holy Spirit. Pointing to the footprints that Jesus continues to make. After all, it's Jesus' footprints that brought us here today. It's what led us a path for us to follow to get to here. And it's Jesus' footprints that will lead us out into the world, to live in the world, and to be the church. It's Jesus' footprints that pushes us to take risks. Then we hear the call to be able to do stuff like teach Sunday school, and to open up with one another vulnerable in Bible study. There's a footprint of Jesus that leads us to hold one another's hands in prayer and visit the dying and take coffee to the sick. It's Jesus' footprints that we follow to the food pantry, to Star Academy, to the community garden, the boardroom to speak for those that have not have a voice and those that have been muted. It's Jesus' footprints that gives us the courage to to speak up for people and to stop and talk to strangers and to empty ourselves out for a world that so desperately needs people to give Instead of trying to hoard. The footprints that challenge us. To question individualism. Dual thinking. Scarce mentality. The footprints of Jesus. That led us through being a church. During the pandemic. And that will keep us going. For future generations. Footprints that all continuously changes and shifts our head from looking up to looking down. There will be a day one day somebody's going to question us. They're going to say, Lillington Presbyterian Church, why do you continue, why don't you look up? Why don't you look up to find Jesus? And we'll just say to them, I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but I know where to find Jesus' footprints, and how can I find footprints if I'm too busy looking up? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.